Okay, so um, Pastor Brenda, when she asked me if I wanted to speak again for Mother's Day, um, I always kind of freak out a little bit, but so I just I just run to the Lord and I'm like, I hope you got something, you know? Oh, thank you. Um, so, and then I just kind of waited. I was just waiting for him to respond. And so I was just sitting in the presence of the Lord and just waiting and hoping that he was going to tell me something. And, um, and I heard really clearly, and, and so I want you to listen closely, even you kids. I heard, I felt like Jesus said, I want you to honor my mother. And for, I don't know, maybe like two weeks, I just kept thinking about that, how powerful it is that Jesus, after all this time, was still wanting to honor the life of his mother. So we're going to begin with talking about Mary, and we're going to finish with talking about honor. So um, in Luke 1.28, Gabriel comes to Mary, and he says, Rejoice, highly favored one, for the Lord is with you. So I was just kind of wondering what made Mary so special. Has anybody ever wondered that? Like, do you think that God was, like, drawing straws as to who was going to bring his son into the world? Like, what made her hand selected? What made her highly favored? What made her chosen? So there's got to be some kind of a secret to this in the Bible, right? So I started reading everything I could about Mary. And um, the Bible actually isn't full of stuff about Mary. It's pretty limited what it says about her. Um, but I found three things that really stood out to me. And I believe this is why she was chosen. Um, so the angel Gabriel continues to talk to her. And he's, he's telling her all this amazing stuff. Like stuff that would blow your mind. Like we've heard it for a long time. So sometimes we need to think about it fresh. Like, this was astounding, what was being said to her. And so in Luke 131, he continues um, to talk, the angel Gabriel, and says, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will be great and will be called Son of the Most, God, Most High God. And her response was priceless. So has anybody in here ever felt like God asked him to do something that was, like, ridiculous? Any Nobody? Raise your hand. Like something that was absolutely ridiculous. And you're just kind of blown away and, and you're like um, 10,000 questions, right? Like how? Usually how? How is this going to happen? And um, so Mary's response was priceless. Um, she only had one question just because she was a virgin. So she asked that question right out. But she didn't have 10,000 questions or maybe she did and she just never voiced them. But her response was, okay, let's do it. How many of us would have that same immediate, obedient response? Um, I remember a long time ago, it would have been 13 years ago, Jason Charlie, okay, um, we got a call from Child and the Family, and we had asked for two, maybe three, if we were super brave, children. And so um, we had taken a couple kids in foster care just for the weekend or whatever, but we hadn't had any permanent foster care residents. And I remember this, um, this question. Um, so they started with the oldest. They're like, we got a rambunctious four-year-old girl. She's just crazy cute. We have a two-year-old that is an absolute beauty. We have a one-year-old that has all of her teeth and the biggest smile you've ever seen. And, and I thought they were done right there. I was like, Okay, we could probably do that. Maybe we can do that, you know? And they were all, you know, so, um, and then they continue, which wasn't supposed to happen, right? Because that was the impossible part. And they had two eight-week-old babies, 
and that were in the hospital and had some medical conditions. And my mind was flooded. I had 10,000 million questions. And I was like, this is impossible. There's, there's, no, there's no way at all. And my husband is out there on the deck going, yeah. He's kind of like Mary, right? He's like, <laughs> he's got his thumb up, let's do it. And I, I told her, I said, I got to go pray about it, and I'll call you back. So I went and, and I, I laid my head on the counter. And, I mean, I was just sobbing for these kids. <laughs> Still do that. Anyway, um, I heard God really clearly, and he said, you're in my hand, and they're in my hand, and I'm bringing them to you because they need you. And I wrote that, and I put it on my fridge, and I used it for years and years and years through all the hard stuff. And, um, but I still wasn't quite as immediate as, as, as Mary. I had so many questions, like how would we even go to the store? Like how would we don't even have a vehicle, you know? Like Mary probably had, how am I gonna bring the king of kings into the world? But she was so quick to be obedient. She was so quick to co-labor with God and to be in his will and just step right into his will. And she was just like, okay. And so her exact response is, I am the Lord's servant. Everybody say that. Let it be done to me, just as you have said. Okay, so we want to we strive to be like this. When God is asking us to do something, it's you will. And he'll ask us to do crazy stuff. We want to be immediately obedient. Everybody say, immediately obedient. Okay, so that's the first, the first thing that stood out to me about Mary. Um, the second thing is, you know, Gabriel told Mary also about this relative that she had, Elizabeth, who was unable to have children for the longest time. And then she was pregnant. And she was going to give birth to John the Baptist, who was going to prepare the way for Jesus, right? Everybody know that story? And um, so Mary, she decides to go and visit Elizabeth. And as soon as they see each other, John the Baptist leaps in the womb, and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And what does Mary do? This is, this is number two. Does anybody know what she does? Okay. So for ten straight verses, Mary just explodes in the highest praise. I mean, you've got to read it. It's, it's Luke 1, 46 through 56. She says, I'm just going to read a couple verses. She says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. The Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And she just goes on and on and on, and she's just like the highest praise ever. So I don't think this was her first time worshiping. She sounds like a professional to me, like she's been worshiping God all of her life. And so the second thing that I think really stands out about Mary was, First, she was obedient to God instantly, without 10,000 questions. Second, Mary was worshiper. So after Jesus was born, there was these shepherds, and they had just encountered a host of rejoicing angels. And they were singing glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. And so then it said that the shepherds, they like hastily went to find baby Jesus. And so... Um, do you think that they maybe told Mary about this experience? I'm kind of thinking they were like, you wouldn't believe what we just, just my guess, right? They probably told her all about it. And I love this about Mary, and I cannot say this about myself at all. Um, she, she, there's a statement about Mary, and it's said about her more than one time. 
And um, I just, I want to be this way someday, <laughs> soon. It says in Luke 2.19, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Like, she didn't get on Facebook and tell everybody about it. She didn't, like, gather all the girls and have a little party and be like, you wouldn't believe, you know. Just, she just kept all these things and she pondered them in her heart. And so I looked up pondered, and um, it means to meditate on, just to mull over and over, just to think deeply. So Mary wasn't this emotional, crazy woman like somebody I know. She was, <laughs> she was like really wise and really calm. And I just, I just feel like that God chose her for these three reasons. Um, so those are the three things we're going to honor Mary for. And um, because of what Jesus, I felt like he said to me, that he still wanted to honor his mother after all this time, I decided to look up every single scripture I could find on honor. And so I spent quite a bit of time just, just writing them out. And um, um, I broke them down into three categories of what the word of God says about honor. And um, so the word is full of, of scriptures about honor. And we're called to live lives that honor. And so I broke them down into three different sections. Number one is honoring God. Number two is honoring authority. And number three is honoring others. And so we're going to go ahead and start um, with honoring God. And I was looking for scriptures that say how. I hate it when people tell me to do something, but they don't tell me how, because I guess I can't figure it out. But So I was looking for scriptures that were really specific, tangible ways that we could bring honor to God. And um, so the first scripture I want to go over is 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20. Do you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. So what does that mean, to honor God with our body? Um, I've been thinking a lot about our five senses, and um, I've been hearing messages about how our senses are actually gateways, and they affect our entire being, and I wanted to know if that was true, and I, I found that it is. In Matthew 6.22, it says, The eyes are like a lamp or a window for your whole body. If your eyes are good, if they're seeing things that are good, if you're filling your eyes with healthy things, it says your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are being filled up with things that are not healthy and not godly, your whole body is filled with darkness. So this is saying that our senses, they don't just affect us up here. They affect everything. And if we're to honor God with our body, then we're being called to honor God with our senses. Another one says in Matthew 15, 18, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. So how does stuff get into our heart? Through what we see, through what we hear, through what we say, pretty much. I don't know if there's any other way. It's, it's through our senses. So um, I feel like we can't control everything that we see, and we can't control everything that we hear, but we can watch over to the best of our ability the things that come into our entire body through our senses. So I feel like God is calling us to choose to honor God by being careful what goes in, 
Everybody say, being careful what goes in. And being careful what comes out. Okay. All right. The next one that, um, that I found was Proverbs 14.31. It says, the one who helps the poor honors God. Um, I was thinking about that. Um, there's a couple different kinds of poor. There's, there's actually physically poor, people that are hungry, people that need clothing. And so we can, we can honor God through that. But then there's also spiritually poor. Um, there's people in our communities that are spiritually starving. And we can honor God. We can, you know, bringing them to church is a way to honor God. Showing the love of God, letting that flow through us is also a way to honor God. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. I feel like that's pretty easy to understand. Um, when we help the poor, physically or spiritually, it brings honor to God. How many want to bring honor to God? Yes. yes. Okay. Um, Proverbs 3 9. This is the last one under honoring God. Um, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your increase. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So we're called to honor God with our finances. When we give, it brings honor to God. Um, so I'm going to end this part with this scripture that's super awesome, First Samuel 2.20. It says, those who honor me, I will honor. So when we do any of these three things, Honoring God with our bodies, honoring God by helping the poor, or honoring God with our wealth. It says, those who honor me, I will honor. Isn't God cool? Because, like, you know, the word also says, um, if we draw near to God, he draws near to us. If we give to him, he gives to us. If we honor him, he honors us. Isn't that cool? I, th I just thought that was cool. Okay, so we're going to move into um, the second section, which is honoring authority. And we're going to start with honoring our spiritual authority. In 1 Timothy 5.17, it says, Ministers are worthy of double honor. So we're going to take a test right now. Is everybody paying attention? John? Okay, good. Um, so I'm going to throw out a number. You guys are going to double it. Yell it back to me. I just want to see if you're awake, and I want to know if you know what double means. So two. Four. Six. Oh. Better try that one again. Six. Okay, we'll go ten. Okay. Um, so we're going to go back to the scripture. I'm glad we went over this. This was important today. Um, 1 Timothy 5.17 says, Ministers are worthy of double honor. Everybody say that. You guys are now responsible for that scripture. <laughs> um, I actually don't remember reading this before. And uh, when I read it, I was, I was like, wow, I, didn't even, I, I don't remember reading this before. Or sometimes just something doesn't click yet. And um, so just for fun, we'll just, we'll just talk about Pastor Brenda since she's right here. So we did the double test. You guys know how to double things, right? Um, most of you. Um, so let's just say you're thinking, I really want to get Pastor Brenda a Harley Davidson motorcycle. Okay, no, hold on, hold on, sit down. All right, you guys, do you know how to double that? Okay, all right, that was just that was just for fun. But um, seriously, we are held accountable for this scripture. 
that says that our ministers are worthy of double honor. So whatever you're thinking, whatever you're thinking about doing to bring honor, do you guys remember the scripture? <laughs> you're going to be held accountable that they're worthy of double honor. Um, in Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they have watched over your soul. All right, everybody take a minute, think for a second. How many people are watching over your soul right now? Like, if, you, if you're in a Christian heritage, maybe your grandparents are and your parents. But how many people do you have watching over your soul? So I'm going to read this again. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they are watching over your soul as they must give an account. So let them do it with joy and not with grief. So I was reading spiritual leaders in the Bible ask people to do crazy stuff. And they just did it. So I was, um, I was thinking about Moses. You know, we've read this story about when they were getting ready to leave Egypt. We've read it like a million times. So sometimes things become familiar and we don't think about how crazy they probably sounded at the time. Like Moses, he asked over two million Israelite people to kill sheep but blood over the door. Now try to erase from your memory the fact that you've heard that a million times. How weird is that, right? Put blood over the door make some bread, unleavened bread. They, they had all these instructions of all these specific detailed things that they had to do, and they had to do it just right. And not one of them rebelled. Every single one of them did what their spiritual leader asked them to do. Is that crazy? Over two million? Over two million. So think about that for a second. Um, I was thinking about uh, Joshua. He asked his people to, uh, Israelites, to march around the wall. March around every day, just march around, be quiet. And my kids wouldn't be quiet. They'd be yelling every day, right? <laughs> Sorry. Um, and then the seventh day, you're going to march around, and then you're going to yell, and the walls are going to fall down. Can you imagine what they were thinking? Because that had never happened before. We've heard this story a million times, so it's familiar to us, but it wasn't to them. They'd never heard that before. And how weird is that? And yet, they didn't rebel at all. They listened to their spiritual authority. They trusted their spiritual authority. Um, the last one is Gideon. He took a group of people into war without any weapons, with a jar and a torch and a trumpet. How freaked out would you be? But they weren't. They trusted their spiritual authority, and God has called us to bring to honor our spiritual authority. So I'm going to move into the next section, which is our governmental authority. Okay, I'm okay. Romans 13.1 says, Let everyone be subject to their governing authorities, for there is no authority set up except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been put there by God. Um, so we're called to bring honor to our um, governing authorities in our land. A lot of times we, you know, will like certain ones and not other ones. And so we'll pray for the ones we like. And um, I got, this happened to me this year. I took a day, I was going to spend like, really time interceding for President Trump. And so I'm on my face in my bedroom. And I heard the Lord really clearly and say, I would like you to not pray for Trump today. I would like you to pray for Nancy Pelosi. And I was like, what? <laughs> I don't like her. And, and um, I felt like he said there's a lot of people, a lot of Christians praying for Trump. But there's not a lot praying. We just pray for the ones we like. And that's not what God has asked us to do. Um, so as I was praying for her, 
I felt like God was showing me her like a child. And I heard him say that you don't know the things that have happened in her life that have brought her to the point of where she is. And the more I prayed for her, the more I cared about her. And um, so we're called to pray for all of our governmental leaders, whether we like them or whether we don't like them. Um, there's a scripture in for Samuel. So King Saul was trying to kill David, right? And um, he, King Saul was the governing leader of the time, right? But he was trying to kill David. And David has an opportunity to take him out. We won't go into the details. First um, Samuel 26, 9 says, but David refused to. It says, who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? So um, David understood the importance of honoring, honoring the governing authority, even when it was putting his own life in danger. So he knew that King Saul could maybe eventually kill him, you know, because he kept trying to kill him. And yet David had the opportunity to do that and refused to because he was committed to honoring, honoring the governing authority. And so we need to be able to do that even when we don't agree. Um, the third one is honoring our parents. And I'm going to start because all parents, maybe like me, um, we want to tell our kids, you need to honor me. I'm your mom, you know. And um, I bumped into this scripture. It's uh, Proverbs 25, 27. It says, do not seek honor for yourself. So let that sink in for a second. So we can't make our kids honor us or make anybody honor us for that matter. Um, but we can model a life that honors. Right? We can live a life that honors. And that is sowing seed. So we all understand seed time and harvest. That's not just with money. It's with everything we do. So when we live a life that honors, we sow good seed. And then we reap good harvest. How many have only sown good seed in the area of honoring? Nobody? Okay, me neither. Um, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, so Exodus 20:12 says, Honor your father and mother, and you will live a long, full life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So most of us have heard this for years and years. And sometimes when things become really familiar, we forget about the power in them just because they're like, ah, oh, we know that. So today I want this to fall fresh on our ears. I'm going to read it again. And I just want you to think about the power that's in this scripture and not just be like, eh, I already know that scripture. Um, so this is new and fresh today. Honor your father and your mother, and you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Um, I've messed up in this pretty bad. Uh, mostly my, um, my husband's mom hasn't always really liked me. And so I just thought it was okay if I didn't honor her because she didn't like me. And uh, over the last few years, God has really been changing my heart. And I've been trying to send her letters and just thank her. We don't have hardly nothing in common. Seriously, like nothing. And yet, I am trying to find whatever I can to honor her for the things that she's done right. And so I, I'll send her like little notes just here and there, like every couple months. And um, trying to change myself to line up with the word better. 
um, because we don't just honor the ones we like or that like us, which is more the case, but we, we honor because um, God has asked us to. And honor is a gift. It doesn't have to be earned. So respect, I guess, has to be like more earned. But honor is a gift that we give, and nobody has to earn it. And um, sometimes it's hard to find ways to honor our parents. Sometimes our parents are super cheesy, and so I'm going to tell a story about this lady. And <laughs> um, so Summer is really good at coordination and sports and all that kind of stuff. She's not like clumsy and stuff like that. And so um, I'll just tell you guys a story and you guys can hopefully laugh. Um, I was, so she's in the shower and it's a dark curtain so I can't see in there. And I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. And she bought me this beautiful mug for my birthday with a llama on it. And I'm in there drinking tea, getting ready in the morning. And um, I, I try to be fun. But I'm not really that good at it. I don't know why. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so I just I put a little bit of ice water in it in, in my beautiful mug that she bought me. <laughs> and because um, I already drank the tea. And I'm like, I'm just going to throw it on her, you know, and, and that, would, that would be fun, right? No, that's not the funny part. Anyway, however, I just put a lot of lotion on my hands because I was getting ready for the day. So. I go to throw the mug of water on her, and the whole mug flies out of my hand, smashes over her head in the shower. She's like, Mom, what are you doing? And it was the mug she bought me. So she's just in there innocently trying to get clean in the morning, and I whip a mug at her that she bought me. And so I do things like that. And so if you have a strange mom, there are things you can honor. You have to look harder, and it might take you longer, but... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But anyway, um, all right. So we're going to talk about one more scripture, and oh, we're 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 doing good. Um, sometimes we have to cover our parents' weaknesses, um, and so we're going to talk about Noah. He was on the ark for. A ridiculous amount of time with a whole bunch of animals. I'm not saying that's okay, but he, he ends up getting drunk afterwards. But, you know, he was on the ark for a really long time with a whole bunch of animals. But anyway, it says, uh, Genesis 9, 21 through 23 says, um, Noah got drunk and was laying in his tent exposed. His son Ham saw his father and went and told people about it. But his other two sons, Shem and Japheth, took a garment, laid it across their shoulders, and they walked in backwards to cover their father's weakness. So um, when their father was giving the blessing out, you know, at the end of his life, Ham didn't do super well because he didn't honor his father, even in his father's weakness. So even when our parents are imperfect, and we all are, um, we, can, we can cover our parents' weaknesses. Um, they honored their father by covering and not talking bad about. And um, so that's a challenge to everyone that, that we are also called to do that. Um, so the last section is honoring others. Um, in First Peter 2.17 it says that we are called to honor all people, 
In Ephesians 2.10, it says, we are God's masterpiece. Everybody look at your neighbor. I know Danny doesn't like this. Too bad. Look at your neighbor and say, you are God's masterpiece. Okay. Um, a couple weeks ago, Teresa had her artwork in our local um, art gallery. And so we went and looked at it, and it was really cute, and little penguins and everything. But I was thinking about... Um, I was thinking about artists, how when you're with them, you want to like say the right thing and stuff, right? Um, so I was thinking about, like, does anybody know what a solo exhibit is? Yeah, no? <laughs> okay, so it's when an artist will like rent a building and they'll show all of their artwork. So they'll have like hundreds of pieces in one building. And so if you were like walking through that and it was just you, you'd like walk through and you'd be like, Oh, I like that one. And I, not so much that one. And I don't even know what the artist was thinking when he made that one. But if you were to think about if the artist was walking with you, how you'd be like super careful about what you said about each work of art. So I want to tell you this morning that the artist is walking with us. And God has called us to honor the masterpiece in one another. Um, in James 3, 9 through 10, it says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and, and Father, and with it we curse other human beings that are made in his likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cur cursing. Brothers and sisters, this should not be so. Um, so God has called us to, number one, to honor him. And so we can honor him. We can go through the things. We can honor him with our body. We can honor him by helping the poor spiritually, physically. We can honor him with our wealth. And when we honor him, he honors us. And God has called us to honor our authority. And our spiritual authority is worthy of double honor. Everybody knows how to double, and everybody's going to be held accountable now. <laughs> so this year, pastor appreciation should be the bomb, right? <laughs> and um, God has called us to honor our governmental authority and to honor our parents those are all authorities that God has placed over us and God has called us to honor one another and see the masterpiece and the beauty inside of each one and um, so for for the altar call today um, I felt like two different categories, but like, has anybody here ever missed it in any area, in any area that we've talked about in honoring? Only two people. Wow, you guys are awesome. Okay, there we go. Um, so when we sow seed that's not super great seed in honor, we reap a harvest. However, Denny talks about this a lot in the old Nintendo, the one I used to play, there was like a reset button. And so when we just repent before God, it's like that reset button is hit, and there is, like, crop failure on our negative harvest, right? And um, so I just feel like today we want to come, we just want to come before God and repent of not honoring the way that he's called us to honor and, and just allow him to reset us, right, and get us back into, like, perfect alignment, and then to commit that we would live a life that honors. Um, so we can't do that on our own. 
but we've been given the Holy Spirit, who's our teacher. And, like, does anybody know, Autumn, do you know of any kid in school who has a parent that's a teacher, so they live together, that that kid is failing? That doesn't ever happen. And so um, we live with the Holy Spirit. And we cannot fail because we live with a teacher. And so we just need to um, just be sensitive to him and ask him to help us because we want to live lives that honor. Um, and so the second part of the altar call is if you've never committed to make Jesus Lord of your life and start living a life of honor, if you want to do that today, if you want to just, just say, God, I just want to give you me and just let you be Lord of my life. That means you're in charge, not me anymore. Um, so I just want to go ahead and call you forward. If you relate with either one of those, I'm going to turn this over to Pastor Brenda. Um, if you want to live lives of honor, if you want to just repent and allow some crap failure to happen, a negative seed sown, and you want to commit to live a life of honor, um, I'm just going to have you come forward. All right, would you just stand Man, that was such a good word. I, I'm, I'm glad I'm setting through second service. I've got more notes to take. But I love the altar call. Did you hear that, that she's saying? It's a reset button. And I love the illustration that the artist is walking with us. Because I was just sharing this with Jacob yesterday, that even the most vile individual that we can think of and we want to scream, away from me, that's God's child. And his heart is for them just like it's for you. So we need to look at everybody and honor everyone as if we're looking at them with God's eyes, his child. And so let's do that. Let's just press into that. I'm going to call it like Amy did the reset button. Father, forgive us. God, forgive us where we haven't honored those others. Like you're calling us to, to look at them, not according to flesh and blood. But God, as your child, your heart longs for them like the prodigal father to return. God, forgive us, Lord, where we've been quick to critique your handiwork, your artwork. God, forgive us. So right now, if that's you, just while I continue to pray, just press in and come to the altar and just get spend some time with God for that reset button, for that forgiveness. I like that negative crop. I like that to just be canceled. Any negative word, any negative word that we've spoken against others, against authority, against even our parents. Lord, would that negative crop would be killed off right now. And you hit that big reset button in our lives. Let's just press in for a moment. God, we know we've all done it. God, I've done it. We just cry out for your forgiveness, for your mercy, grace, Lord. Praise you, Lord God. Praise you, Lord God. 